enter, at your own peril, a realm of true phantasms. Shiver as your neighbors draw back the ethereal veil. Scream as you witness what stares back. Plus comedy and intrigue to stimulate and amuse. It's hair-raising. It's heart-stopping. It's all parts of this week's Odd Tonic. Welcome back to the parlor. We are so happy that you're here. I'm Maxwell. And I'm Jennifer. Please join us in a spot of tea and take a comfy seat as we present Odd Tonic, Episode 2. And just like that, we've doubled our Odd Tonic episode library. (laughs) That's very astute, my love. (laughs) And how many podcasts do you suppose have, uh, have used that joke in their second episode? All of them. Yes, I'll bet you're right. (laughs) Dear guest, thrills and chills await you. As promised, we shall reach deep into the mailbag, draw from its shadows the eerie, bizarre, Mm. and indelibly spooky true stories submitted by lovely guests like yourselves. I just adore stories like these Mm -hmm. because people go about their lives as if everything is normal. We like to think life is neat and tidy and predictable. And then something happens that you can't explain. It doesn't fit into the world you know. You can't understand it. You can't apply your rules to it. And to me, these things make the world so much bigger. Suddenly the world is mysterious and magical. Anything can happen. There's so much possibility. It's just fantastic. Right. And I love that you can ask nearly anyone, and they're bound to have an incredible story that doesn't fit into what we consider day-to-day life. Right, right. I I find that fascinating as well. You know, every person or someone close to that person has had an experience like this, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's a universal phenomenon. And yet, and yet, society, at least in the Western world, (laughs) continues to deny its, its existence. Among our guests, I know that there are some who work in scientific circles who will never disclose their personal experiences, Mm -hmm. as it is understood that it would destroy their career. (laughs) To me, the mystery of the weirdness happening in the world is is equal only to the mystery of the weirdness happening in our reaction to it. (laughs) I never really thought about it that way. Oh, but not our guests. True. Our our people are just cannonballing into that pool. (laughs) I hope the pool's heated. (laughs) Cold pool, not so fun. (laughs) So, shall we get spooky? I woke up spooky. (laughs) (laughs) To kick things off, Maxwell reads our first story, submitted from Matt, a former EMT. So, this is my story. My friends, well, they think it's hysterical. I think it's a curse. It all started when I was in middle school. One day I went with my father to a local supermarket, and while he was in line, I ran to the freezer section to grab some personal pizzas. After grabbing them, I turned, and an older man started poking me in the chest, screaming, You're the angel of death! You can't take me! It's not my time! I justifiably freaked out and ran away from the crazy dude. Fast forward to high school now. I'm in the school's jazz ensemble, and we would do concerts at all the 
retirement homes nearby. They loved it. They'd sing, dance, and generally have a good time. Well, in this one home, there was a guy in the back, losing his mind. He just kept staring at me and yelling until the attendants took him out. We all figured he was just an angry old guy and kept playing. I never really thought about it. Until a few years ago, after high school. I'm an EMT in town and went to a chest pains call at the same nursing home. I walk into the room and the patient is talking with an attendant and has his back to me. I put my hand on his shoulder and get out, Sir, how? He turns and a look of sheer horror comes over his face. And bam! Dead. At that exact moment, everything in my head went blank, and I immediately recognized him from the previous two encounters as the same man. For whatever reason, we were sent the autopsy results, and it turns out the man's heart literally tore itself to pieces. The exact description we got was, quote, his heart literally exploded. There wasn't anything anyone could have done. God wanted this man dead at that exact moment. Wow. <laughs> that in of itself would have been enough to earn me the nickname, the angel of death. Honestly, not a great nickname as a professional lifesaver. <laughs> On top of that story, I was a notorious black cloud. In EMS, there are white clouds, people who have easy shifts and never see anything, or black clouds, people who get the worst calls, are always busy, and are almost constantly covered in people goo sometime during their <laughs> shift. In the five years I worked, there were three shootings. I worked two of them and was canceled from the third. Had multiple stabbings, fatal car accidents, mass casualty incidents. I also had the most codes, a person needs CPR. That being said, I also had one of the highest CPR save rates in the state. I actually beat the national average. On top of all that fun stuff, and here's where the curse comes in, I had a spider sense for when someone was going to die. Something would just tick in my brain before we get dispatched for a code. And once, I even arrived at the scene of a code just as we were getting dispatched to it. Hmm. To this day, I still get the twinges. It's a difficult thing knowing somewhere close by someone is dying. I've witnessed over 200 people close out their lives. Some were even friends. I see them when I close my eyes, always there, always haunting me. <laughs> I think just in case, let's all stay on Matt's good side. Let's send him cookies and gift, gift cards. <laughs> I didn't know a cause of death could be listed under fatal organ detonation. <laughs> or as I'd like to now refer it as heart blasty whams. I, I, I just think that sounds nicer. You know, I would be happy to go with the heart blasty whams. It sounds quick. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thank you so much. Your stories are top shelf. Thank you so much. So uh, let's move on to our next tale. This one comes from Tim. Long ago in the early 70s, my family had moved to a new home and I had a new school. New house, new school, and a new bus ride. 
I remember one time riding to school, there was a girl my age wearing an oversized pink raincoat. Every time I saw her, she was always in the seat by herself, and I always recognized her. One day, lining up for the ride home, I got in line to leave the school. I picked the same line she was in. The buses were labeled by characters. I was supposed to go on the Mickey Mouse bus, but I was just following her and she'd gotten on the Santa Claus bus. Wrong bus, but I was just following her as I had been. Soon the bus made so many stops and everything was so strange. I was new, but I had not seen anyone or anything familiar. Apprehension was giving way to kid terror, but then she was there, so that calmed me down. I knew I'd be home soon because she was still there. I kept looking back and she started making faces at me and smiling really big, and I made faces back. The bus had made all the stops, only the girl in the oversized pink raincoat and me were left. I knew I was gotten off before her, and suddenly the bus driver was like, little boy, why are you still here? I went forward and I told him I got off just before her, and I pointed back to nothing. She was gone. He told me there was no blonde girl in an oversized pink raincoat, and I must be on the wrong bus. I later heard a girl had borrowed her mother's raincoat one day, and she had been killed when it had gotten caught in the bus doors. I never saw her again. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed that one. But I think the one thing we can take away from this is don't go to school. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, the real real lesson is don't get on a Santa Claus bus. <laughs> yes, that just sounds inherently scary. Well, of course, the worst thing that ever happened to me on a school bus was I accidentally stepped in gum. And, and mm-hmm. that's disturbing and sad and also pink. <laughs> but not like this. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed this one. You know, we're telling ghost stories, so you can see that one coming mm-hmm. a little bit, but that didn't lessen its impact for me. And it's sad, too. It's oh, good, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a Great good story. One. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. We now turn to Ellis, a professional bus driver who gave us this curious account. When driving the overnight Greyhound from Calgary, Alberta to Vancouver, B.C., the bus crosses through the Rocky Mountains. The elevation is high enough that, on this night... We were above the clouds, illuminated from the towns down below. Mm. It was very late, and all the people on the bus were asleep when I saw it. A bank of clouds lit from beneath. On top of the clouds, walking with purpose, was a man dressed entirely in black, with a long coat and wide-brimmed hat. I looked around my bus to see if anyone else saw this miraculous stranger. It was only me. The shadowy figure continued its peregrination as my bus rounded a corner and took me away from that vivid scene. It has stuck with me now for decades. Wow. What a visual. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) But see, what did I just say? Hmm. Never take the bus. (laughs) (laughs) You kidding? That is reason alone to take a bus everywhere. Uh, That's a terrific story. Yours was not the first encounter with a man with a wide-brimmed hat Mm -hmm. and a long coat, Mm -hmm. and it won't be the last. Stay tuned to Odd Tonic for more detail on that in a future episode. Now, let's join Colin, who sends us this. About 15 years ago, not long after I moved into my current home, 
I had a brief but very face-to-face encounter with a shadow person. Stepping from my bedroom, you can look left towards the kitchen and always see the white of the fridge lit by the streetlight outside. On this occasion, I couldn't, due to the very dark humanoid shape between me and the kitchen. (laughs) We sort of stared at one another for several seconds, long enough for me to realize that this was not my imagination. And I flicked the light on, and the figure had gone. I've never had the experience again, but have often felt that someone is in the house with me some nights when I'm alone. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Who needs a guard dog when you have the shadow person theft deterrent system? <laughs> Securest fridge in the, <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. And uh, best of luck with your roommate. <laughs> yeah. Our next story was submitted by a lovely person who we will call S. In the early 1980s, my mother's stepfather, with whom she had remained close for many years after her mother's death, died suddenly. Hmm. My mom was single and money was tight, so the cost of airfare to attend the memorial was a serious concern, as was taking the time off of work. My mom was grieving and frustrated at her situation. After a tear-filled evening, she went to bed and had a vivid dream in which her stepfather came to her and told her not to spend the money to fly to the memorial in California. Hmm. It would just be his vacant body, and he didn't want her to remember him that way. He said he was with her already, and that's what mattered. He said, take the money and buy something pretty for yourself. Mom thought that would be a tall order to fill, finding just the right pretty something to honor her stepfather's wish for her. She decided to look at jewelry, and, as a result, a beautiful, antique, deep blue sapphire and diamond ring set in 14-karat gold caught her eye. After asking the price, her breath caught in her throat. It was the exact same price that the plane ticket to her stepfather's memorial would have been. Wow. (laughs) She cried as she paid for the ring and felt grateful once again to her stepfather for guiding her through the heartache. At the time, my mother had a serious boyfriend but wasn't sure if he was right for her. She had married at a very young age the first time, and after having three kids and the loss of her mother to cancer, the marriage fell apart. A second marriage, several years later, was an unspeakable disaster and was annulled within a year. As you can imagine, she debated the wisdom of a third marriage, but it was very much on her mind. While getting ready for bed one night, she held out her hand and admired the ring, thinking, it's as pretty as a wedding ring. She slipped it onto her left ring finger to literally try on the idea of being married again. And immediately, the ring started feeling tight. She had barely gotten it off her finger before she noticed it had become deformed. The circular band literally looked like it had been squeezed. Thinking that she must have hit it on something, she decided to take it back to the jeweler to have it repaired. The next day, on her way to work, She returned to the jewelers and told him what happened. They said there was no way the ring could have bent like this from just hitting it on something. That with the strength of the gold, it would take a vice to make that kind of dent. Wow. A little freaked out, my mom told the story to her co-workers, and they were all in disbelief and couldn't wait to see the ring for themselves. 
The next day after the ring was fixed and back on my mother's hand, yes, her left hand, she went to work and showed it off to her co-workers who examined it and saw that it was perfectly round and solid. While on the phone, my mom distractedly removed the ring because it felt funny. When she finished her call, she looked down at the ring laying on her desk and gasped. She yelled for her co-workers to come back. The ring had collapsed on itself again, this time even more so. Everyone was in complete shock and really freaked out now. Mm-hmm. Mom returned the ring again to the jeweler, who just could not understand what could have happened. My mom thought, okay, I get it, Dad. I will not wear this ring, and if it's a sign that I shouldn't get married to this boyfriend, then I won't. She had the band cut off and the gem mounting made into a pendant instead, and has enjoyed her stepfather's gift to this day. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, love that one. (laughs) It makes you wonder, what if she hadn't removed the ring? (laughs) Uh, Surely he wouldn't have wanted her to learn the lesson that way. No, no. nine fingers. Or like, what if she decided she was going to go ahead with the wedding? Like, how would that have progressed? Would her car steering wheel fold in? Or, (laughs) you know, other signs like maybe her Nuva ring just... (laughs) Ah! (laughs) That's a bad joke. <laughs> Thank you, S, for the story. We absolutely loved it. Definitely. All right. Now let's travel to Chicago, where mm-hmm. Leslie shares a startling encounter. Mm-hmm. I've always been a believer of good and evil and a spiritual world that you cannot see. I was in a deep discussion with a girlfriend of mine as we walked our infant babies through the city. Now, encountering homeless people in the city of Chicago was an everyday occurrence. On this particular day, there was a woman that seemed especially troubling to me and headed my way. We happened to move to the opposite side of the street as she walked towards us. Continuing over our spiritual discussion, I crossed the street away from this woman coming at me and made the conscious effort to not get agitated. With 30 feet between us, In sight, yet out of conversational distance, she crossed to our side of the street to walk right in front of us. She was mumbling words that made no sense. She came close to me quickly and bumped into my shoulder with aggression, and she said, I can hear you, and he will not save you. I knew who he was that she was referring to. My girlfriend and I were just talking about church, religion, etc., When she bumped into me, I instantly felt nauseous. I chucked it up to my nerves being frazzled by this homeless woman. I sat down and had some water. The nausea got worse and I threw up. I had intense hot flashes and I was dizzy. Wow. Yeah, my girlfriend was so confused as to what was happening. She fished some tums out of her purse, got me more water, and held my hair while I puked in the bushes outside the art gallery of the South Loop. (laughs) (laughs) A half hour later, I felt better and composed myself. A doctor might say it was a stomach bug. My girlfriend joked that maybe I was pregnant. My mom thought I had had heat stroke. I knew this woman was filled with demons who tried to rattle my cage and lose my hope. Certainly sounded that way. (laughs) So, I'm originally from Chicago, and I can tell you this... Hmm. The whole place is haunted. Absolutely haunted. (laughs) But 
they have great food in museums, so pack up your family and go. Your, your toddlers <laughs> will love it. Does that account for Chicago's famous orneriness, <laughs> the relentless hauntings and demonic attacks upon its citizens? <laughs> I think you're on to something. Uh, I think you might be. Uh-uh. Love you, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing your experience, Leslie. We hope you never have another one like it. We hope you're enjoying the Odd Tonic Podcast. Mm -hmm. If you are, hit the subscribe button and write us a kind review on iTunes and your favorite podcast app. It'll really help us out. Leaving us a positive review is probably the single most important thing you can do to support our show. And tell your weird friends about us. They'll thank you later. They can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook, all at Odd Tonic Society. And are you enjoying our guest's spooky stories? Why not send your own? It's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> send it to theparlor at oddtonicsociety.com. Either spelling of parlor is fine. We can't wait to read your brush with the bizarre. Now, back to more ghouls from our guests. And now, dear guest, let's explore a collection of vignettes submitted by a guest named Chloe. Some psychics are true sensitives who feel they're called to help spirits. Some psychics actually have little ability, but they are still desperate to be part of the action. Then there's me, the kind who's sensitive but doesn't want to sense anything, see anything, or be involved in any weird thing ever. Mm. Not that I've had much choice. For all my life, I've been aware of the others who have lived in my many homes, the kind of others who never have to pay rent. (laughs) In the early 50s, when I was four or five years old, my family lived in a two-story house in St. Louis, Missouri. Our bedrooms were up on the second floor, as well as our playroom. Some of my earliest memories are of the man who would stand up there, watching my three sisters and me play. He looked like he was somewhere in his 30s with medium brown hair. He wouldn't do or say anything, just silently watch. Mm. I wasn't afraid of him. In fact, I would sometimes dance and show off for him. What are you doing, my sisters would ask, who saw nothing. (laughs) My family moved to a two-family flat in South St. Louis. After initially living in the downstairs section, my parents decided to rent it out and we moved upstairs. The attic, which we hadn't used much before then, became the new playroom. A different man was up there, Mm. older, meaner. I never saw him, but I could feel his presence. And it was saying, don't stay up here. After I graduated from high school in 1965, my parents built a ranch house in rural Wentzville, Missouri, a tiny town outside of St. Louis. A long hallway was the spine of the house, with rooms branching off on either side of it. At the end of the hallway, it became a T with a shorter hallway, the master bedroom on one end, and three bedrooms at the other, including mine. One hundred feet away and facing the house's built-in garage was the property's dividing line a long tree line of dense forest that stretched on for several acres. If, from the house, you walked a few feet into the thick, weedy forest, 
you would immediately run into a very old, rusted, twisted wire fence. Immediately beyond that were the gravestones. No, thank you. (laughs) Completely overgrown with weeds and young trees was an old family graveyard with 15 or so markers dating back to the Civil War. The most recent body had been interred only 25 years before. Two were gravestones of children who had died within their first year. Hmm. My parents were aware of the graveyard, but were nonplussed. Don't mind them, my mother would say. It's the live ones you have to worry about. (laughs) I remember a warm summer night in the house, watching the fireflies while outside on the patio. The insects were common this time of year, and I didn't think anything of it, until I noticed that the fireflies seemed to be active only among the stones of the graveyard, dipping and swirling, until I noticed that the fireflies' glow isn't normally white or the size of large marbles. If only the strangeness had remained outside. I could feel their presence all the time, especially in the long hallway with its patches of murky shadow that no number of light bulbs could seem to illuminate. But 2 a.m. was when the procession would begin. Always a night owl, I would be reading when I'd hear the footsteps begin at the end of the long hallway. The sound of six or seven pairs of shoes on the linoleum slowly making their way past the kitchen, the dining room, main entrance, the family room to the intersection of the small hallway. Sometimes they would stop there. Sometimes they would continue down the small hallway until they filled my doorway, until they filled my bedroom. I never saw what they looked like, but by then, the book had been shut, the light (laughs) snapped off, and my head was buried deep under the covers. Smart girl. (laughs) I constantly had the sense that the group was dominated by women, or at least a couple of strong matriarchs. Sometimes I would hear the muffled sound of their calm conversations. I hated the feeling of their presence, particularly in my room. But they never did anything malicious toward me, and during their visit, the group tended to move and linger around different sections of the hallways. There was a man in the group, though, with distinctive, loud boot steps. He used to enjoy frightening me. Many a night, he would make a point of walking with slow, measured steps down the hall, into my room and stopping at the foot of my bed his presence purposely ablaze with scary intent. Sometimes the boots would stop right beside me at the edge of my bed. I'm fairly sure that he was the one behind the strange noises and scratching coming through the wall at the head of my bed. The matriarchs of the group weren't amused by his antics either, and I could feel it when he'd take a scolding from them. My family insisted that they couldn't hear anything at night, and I suppose they really didn't, because if they could, the man with the boots definitely would have woken them. Making a racket was part of his show. Many years later, my experiences in the house were unfortunately validated, while my then two-year-old son trundled down the long hallway on his little draft bike. Hmm. When he reached the very end of the hallway, beside the door leading to the garage, which led to the graveyard, 
He froze and let out a blood-curdling scream. He didn't have the capacity to explain while I held him and consoled him. His little finger could only point intently at the empty space in the hall. The space with a presence that felt maternal and curious. I've worked hard to dull and bury my sensitivity to spirits over the many years. I thought I had successfully rid myself of it until two years ago when I moved into a house in Surprise, Arizona. Just like the bad old times, I could feel a creepy presence that filled a secluded hallway and spilled into a bedroom at its end. I was startled that I got such a good read on the presence, which felt to be an unhappy, aggravated old man. The denseness and eeriness finally reached a climax late one night. Because all the kitchen lights were blindingly activated by a single switch, I would get a glass of water by the glow of a flashlight. And then it happened, like out of a paranormal investigation show. As I stood alone in the dark kitchen, I felt an overwhelming, terrifying presence drift into the room, sending waves of goose flesh crawling up my arms and back. Then, my flashlight blinked off like a snuffed candle. I fled back into my bedroom, scared, but as a result of old age, I suppose, also equally angry. It wasn't too long afterwards that, one night in the hallway, I could feel the old man winding up for another show, and I wasn't having it. Look, I snapped at him. You can stay here if you need to, but you are going to leave me alone. I will treat you with respect, and you will do the same. It actually worked. The energy mostly lessened after that, and in the moments where I could feel him slowly lurking up behind me, I would spin around and yell, Boo! (laughs) His presence eventually lightened and disappeared altogether. Maybe I scared him away. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thank you, Chloe, for your haunted timeline. That's That's a lot of experiences for someone seeking a quiet life. Yeah. Too bad she can't put her psychic abilities up on eBay. You know, (laughs) win-win. So many people out there wish they had... I know there's buyers. (laughs) I know there's buyers. There's a buyer for everything. (laughs) Okay, our penultimate story is from Donna. And in case you're listening with kiddos in the car, I've replaced her swears with kid-friendly edits. You probably won't even notice, but, you know, see if you do. I've lived in a rental house now since November of 2017. It's a big house that's been divided in two, and our entrance to get into our home is in the back of the property. I've documented a bunch of things that have happened on the property with the hope that a friend of mine, who's a paranormal investigator on the side, will visit one day and check out the house. Here are the major events that have happened so far, and I kid you not, the shiitake mushroom is going down all the time. I think I caught one. (laughs) January 14th, 2018. Kid stuff appeared out of nowhere, a pair of small underwear, then a snowflake earring, and now a miniature diamond ring. We don't have kids, or know anyone with kids, or ever have kids over or around kids where these things would have dropped. No one's in the house because we have cameras at the entrance and four dogs. This stuff turns up right in plain sight where for sure it was not there a second ago and right where we would not have missed it. Not swept into the corner of the room or some kind of slip shop like that. 
We're taking this serious enough that we went through the house last night looking for hidden rooms or stuff, and nothing. Only one way in and one way out, and we have fully functional cameras on the entry. Our dogs are all seniors, and I go outside with them every time due to hawks and coyotes, so I would definitely notice if they ran in with something they had picked up. Plus, the mini diamond ring was on the vanity in the bathroom where they can't reach. That showed up last night. Interesting. It's been continuous all week. Oh, we just remembered a bottle of beer exploded. Not fell off, exploded on Christmas Eve less than 10 feet from where the stuff is appearing. Forgot all about that because it ruined a bunch of my husband's stuff and beer was everywhere. Hmm. From what I googled, exploding bottles are poltergeist activity and appearing objects are apports. I know I'm not supposed to be scared of this stuff, but Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Interesting reading on the things we have. Lace, there was lace on the little underwear, equals innocence and worn at birth and in death. Snowflakes and snow is an element connected to heaven and earth. And that teeny diamond ring is actually a popular thing from the Victorian through Civil War era to show how to show infants how much they were loved during their short time here as an infant. Mm. Mortality rate was high during those times. I researched this for hours. So crazy. Also, our dog has been standing on her hind legs, front paws up, staring at the wall like she's looking at something and begging. Eric. My husband says she's just trying to get our attention, but she's not facing us when she's doing it. This is fairly new and before any of this started happening, but it's still really strange, and she only does it at night. January 25th, 2018. Home Alone Reading. I just heard a dog running upstairs and the click, click, click of nails. I thought it was one of my dogs up there getting into trouble, but they're all on the couch with me. One of my dogs is looking up that way, but stays here with me. Just gonna watch and see if they react. The other three are sleeping. The one dog definitely heard it though. Okay, so I just heard a glass fall and break right in the next room about 10 feet away. I freaked out and said, whoever it is, get out. I turned on the light. No glass anywhere, but a very strong magnet somehow popped off the fridge and broke along with a small ornament type thing that had been hanging up there since Christmas. And the click, click, click sound again is intriguing one of my dogs. Hmm. I do know the neighbor told me the woman who lived there previously was a wacko. They said the owner of the house ended up evicting her because he thought she was mother duckling crazy. She was convinced there were animals in the attic even though there really isn't an attic on the property. They say she went overboard with security measures in the house. She put up alarms on the doors and all the windows. In the end, she left in a hurry, even left her car here. Maybe she wasn't so crazy. Mm, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. March 2nd, 2018. Last Wednesday morning, I was in the kitchen and something poked me in the back. My shirt moved in everything like someone poked me hard. I was too power rangered off by our hot water heater being flooded to be spooked about it, but it definitely happened. Otherwise, it's been quiet. October 7th, 2018. Fork and spoon raspberry, it's getting crazy over here. We've been hearing footsteps and the dog walking around, and this afternoon Eric was walking out of the bathroom, and he saw someone enough walking by him so solid that he actually dodged out of the way, and then the figure was gone. Wow. Yeah. November 6, 2018. This morning, the kitchen light fell off the ceiling. About an hour after that, I smelled incense burning. 
This was 7 a.m., so for sure, no one around was burning it nearby or anything. Also, my dog bit me pretty seriously bad Sunday for no reason. He's not a biter, and we've had him for eight years without incident. I don't like this house. They've got a buffet of (laughs) occurrences going on. Uh, February 21st, 2019. So this is recent. We've had an additional occurrence. A full loaf of bread flew off the shelf last night with no explanation. Then last night it sounded like something fell in the closet, but nothing did. I would like to move at this point. I don't think there's anything anyone can really do to make whatever is happening in the house go away. I feel like someone else is living there, but on another dimension if that makes sense. It's like living with a weird roommate who works nights and you hope that they are looking for another place to live once they get their tax return back. <laughs> Yikes, Donna. Listen, it is our sincere hope that your ghost has e-filed this year <laughs> and it comes back as quickly as possible. Right. Wonderful stories. <laughs> so many things. So many things. Good luck. Yeah, let us know if anything else happens. And last but certainly not least, we have this tale submitted to us by a guest we will call Jay. I was starting my last year of college and had recently reunited with a good friend from high school who had just graduated from college and had returned to town. We happened to both be looking for a roommate and place to live, so the timing was perfect. We found a really nice roomy corner apartment in a decent neighborhood near my university. She diligently checked police reports in the area, which came back pretty good. Some petty crime to be expected and only one violent crime in the last five years. So... We moved over a weekend, and we were excited to decorate our sparsely finished new home. Mm. With our things still in boxes, we crashed out pretty late on our first night in the apartment. My friend borrowed an alarm clock from me, but we didn't set a specific time to get up because the next day was Sunday and we were just going to unpack and run some errands. The next morning, we were lazily standing in our empty kitchen talking about where we should buy a vacuum when the oven timer started buzzing. We looked at each other, puzzled. Neither of us had done anything in the kitchen that morning. Hmm. We fiddled with it a bit to get it to turn off. It was a dial timer, and we assumed that somehow we must have bumped it at some point. It was then that my friend turned to me and said, You know what's weird? That alarm clock you gave me went off at 6.30 this morning, and I hadn't set an alarm on it. I couldn't get it to turn off, so I had to unplug it. You'll have to show me how it works. At that point... The blood drained from my face, and I just mumbled, Yeah, okay, sure. I had already gotten ready to go for the day, so I told her I was going to walk around the complex, check things out, and check the mail while she got ready. When she finally came outside to run our errands, I told her the rest of the story. The alarm clock in my room had also mysteriously activated around the same time that morning. (sighs) And I also couldn't figure out how to turn it off. However, I knew exactly how my alarm clock worked. (sighs) Further, when I had gotten out of the shower, I noticed that my watch, which I was certain I had set on the counter, was on the floor a few feet away from the counter. (sighs) All things I had brushed off as me being overtired until the kitchen timer and my roommate's story. We decided right then that if there was something in the house and doing those things, we would not acknowledge it in the home. 
we would not give it power over us by escalating our fears. So we ran our errands, doing our best to shut it out of our minds. Full disclosure, I have always been very sensitive to active spirits. I can feel them. I can hear them. And I absolutely hate it. When we returned home, all seemed to be fine. We went ahead with moving in and didn't say anything more about the incidents. However, something else happened later that day. There was a bleached out spot on the carpet in the dining room that faced a wood paneled half wall that divided the dining area and the kitchen. I was checking out the carpet spot when I noticed a splatter of some chalky substance across the lower half of the wall, which kind of blended into the color of the wood. I dampened a paper towel and wiped it off. Once I was done, I looked at the paper towel, and it definitely looked like I had just wiped up a lot of dried blood. (laughs) My roommate and I looked at each other, holding back our fear, saying nothing, but with our hair standing up on our arms. Then she said quietly, Spaghetti sauce. (laughs) No more alarms, no more incidents. But... A few days later, we started hearing what sounded like a party nearby that started really late at night in what had to be a downstairs neighbor's apartment because no one was above us and we shared only one wall with a side neighbor. The party seemed to be increasing in noise volume night after night. We would be awoken by what sounded like thumping noises and banging and a soft whirl of voices in the distance. We had kind of lurked around during the day to see who the culprits might be. Directly downstairs were a couple of young families that shared the unit. Our adjacent neighbor was a young couple who was expecting their first baby within a month. None of them seemed to fit the late-night party M.O. Even more puzzling, my roommate asked the couple next door if they knew where the party noise was coming from, and they said they hadn't heard anything. (laughs) The following weekend, my roommate brought her cat to live with us, who had been temporarily staying with her parents. The cat was a bit shy at first, but friendly and cuddly. However, she would not leave my roommate's bedroom. And as the days went by, she seemed to be getting more frightened and uncomfortable, spending all of her time under my roommate's bed, hiding. It was atypical behavior. Not knowing exactly what to do, my roommate, being a good, non-practicing Catholic, started to put little crosses and pictures of saints (laughs) around the apartment. In a strange contradiction to this, she seemed to be slipping into complete denial that anything strange had ever happened in the apartment, and was utterly mystified why her cat was afraid. (laughs) I, on the other hand, wasn't able to do anything but think about what or who was scaring the cat. Poor kitty. Then... I started experiencing a new occurrence. I started getting a ping. This was something that had happened to me before. When I sense something or someone there, they, on occasion, sort of ping me to communicate. I always put up a wall in my mind and retreat. The ping started happening in the apartment during the day, but I would ignore it and often bolt out the door. In response to our strategy to ignore it, it asserted a new tactic, pinging me mostly at night when I was tired, when the walls didn't come as easily, and I was less inclined to run out of the apartment into the dark in my pajamas. (laughs) 
but to the best of my ability, I still ignored it, put it out of my mind, and would fall asleep. Shortly after that, instead of the party waking me, I started having the same dream. In it, I was at the party, but I was not me. I was a guy, maybe mid-thirties, a kind of tougher guy, drove a motorcycle, had kind of an intense energy about him. In the dream, I showed up at the party, but things would get noisy and blurry. The next thing I would realize, I was being zipped up in a body bag, fully conscious while it was happening. No! I would wake up in a sweat, terrified and very angry that it was forcing this communication on me. So I started to gently say things like, I can't help you. You need to move on. Stop reliving this and let go. But nothing worked. I became keenly aware that the parties we were hearing were not actually happening at a neighbor's house. They were residual sounds and actually moving objects in our living room night after night. And my roommate also figured this out when she left some work papers and books in the living room one night and found them strewn all over the living room, the dining room, and kitchen the next morning. Hmm. We also had an issue with pens being moved and tossed around in various places. We never saw anything move, thankfully, but finding things moved was just as jarring. We had been there for a few weeks when it all became clear and mutually undeniable that we had a third roommate we couldn't see, who was much messier than we were, (laughs) and who definitely wanted to be acknowledged for it. We left the apartment to discuss a plan. Number one, figure out how to break the lease and move out. Two, when it got really bad, like when she started hearing footsteps in the hall that led to the bedrooms, or I was having the dreams, I'd go into her room, we'd shut the door, and weather the fear together. Three, find as many options as possible to not be at the apartment at night. We immediately set our plan in motion. After two weeks more of barely sleeping and the noise now raging out of control at night, we were at a breaking point. Our plan was falling apart. We were unable to afford to break the lease and find a new place to live. Should we take out a loan to move? We didn't know what to do. Then, suddenly, it stopped. It all stopped. The noises, the stream pens and papers, the dreams, the parties, everything just stopped. After a week, and then a month, and then several months, it seemed to be gone. Hmm. Six months later, my roommate landed a really great job in a different state and moved out. A new roommate moved in, and I had graduated and gotten a new job. It was nearly time to renew the apartment. Almost a year had passed since I moved in. I had a new kitten, and my roommate had a couple of cats as well. They all got along, and everything was good. Then one day, I came home after work, and all the cats were hiding in the bedrooms. My kitten, who was pretty fearless, was terrified. I tried to carry him out into the living room, and he clawed away from me, running into my closet to hide. It wasn't just him. All of the cats were too scared to leave the bedrooms. When they finally did, they would look up at the ceiling in the dining room, near the bleached spot on the carpet, and slink by as close to the floor as they could. Hmm. Other times, they would look up there, hiss, and run back down the hall into the bedroom. 
pens and other small items started getting moved around again. Then the noises in the living room started again. Luckily, we were able to secure a new house and moved out right away. We never looked back. And thankfully, it didn't follow us. <laughs> Spaghetti sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Pets are such great ghost detectors, though. I highly recommend them. Yeah. And, uh, and they're cuddly. Oh. Absolutely. But seriously, yeah. people, how do you sleep at night? Really? That was terrifying. Thank you so much, Jay. We really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our guests' stories as much as we've enjoyed reading them. Mm-hmm. And we sincerely hope that we've done them justice. We're very thankful for those who sent us theirs for this episode. Mm-hmm. And And we'll be honest, we just read all of them. The cupboard is bare. (laughs) If you'd like to hear more, please send us your stories or those of your family. Or tell your friends to submit theirs. We want to make your ghosts, demons, and shadow people internet famous. (laughs) As always, we can be reached at theparlor at oddtonicsociety.com. In the meantime, we'll be back next week with more weird history, strange science, and a spooky dollop of the paranormal. This, dear guest, is goodbye for now. But remember, when it's 2 a.m. and you hear footsteps coming down your hall, into your room, and stopping at the foot of your bed, don't worry. It's just us. Good night.